Welcome back to the Popcorn Podcast. Mike Palmer here, joined again by Megan Citron and Grant Balfour. Welcome back, folks. Hello. This is our third in the series of takeover episodes, right? We had Steve, we had Gwen and Brian, and now we have the third generation. Right. We're spanning the years. We are talking to folks at different junctures in New College's history. Today, we're joined by Sarah Cooper and Leo Munoz, who are recent graduates. I'd like to welcome you both to the alumni universe that the rest of us are already members of. Welcome to the show, Sarah and Leo. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. What an honor to be among alums. Yes, yes. And hopefully we'll carry forth a, a collegial atmosphere. I was thinking we're recording this Friday after four. I was wondering whether I could crack open a beer to truly embody the spirit of sitting on a, at a wall at Palm Court, but I'm going to hold off for now. Maybe just to get us started, Sarah, you and I connected, I think, through LinkedIn, which is interesting in and of itself, because people from New College are actually on LinkedIn to some extent, depending on who you are. <laughs> you might need to do that. But it was great to hear from you. You are gainfully employed, having graduated from New College recently, also part of Leo's story as well. But uh, I'd love to hear more from each of you, starting with you, Sarah, because you reached out first, and then you brought along a friend in Leo. Can you catch folks up on, you know, your experience at New College and what you're bringing to the table here? Sure. So I was in New College from 2018 to 2022, as was Leo. So we were both the last quote-unquote normal cohort going through a New College before the takeover. Although when we were there, we... Both frequently talked about how this was not a normal experience because when the pandemic started in 2020, that fundamentally changed a lot of things about, you know, what being in community at new college meant and what the academics kind of meant. So, you know, even though we're, you know, kind of the last class to go through four years free takeover, I wouldn't say that it was a normal experience because at New College, there really isn't a normal college experience, mm -hmm. but I definitely wouldn't have traded it for anything. I was a religion AOC. I focused in Judaic studies, although I took, I think, more classes than Islamic studies. Uh, had a great time. I almost double majored in a few things, but I, I, I didn't because that would have been so much paperwork. I had a lot of on-campus jobs. I think it was five total between like admissions and being an RA, working in student government, and also an orientation leader. So it was just, it was, it was a very busy time. Definitely the kind of place where it's like really hard not to be an active participant in every part of the experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating too, because we've hit on different moments in our collective history and then what was going on at New College at the time, talking to folks about 9-11. In a lot of ways, I do kind of think of the pandemic years as a, another version of 9-11 in that it, it really transformed. I was also in New York for 9-11, so it was pretty a significant shift, but it did feel like the pandemic was different in that it hit everybody everywhere. And we haven't really talked to anybody who was at New College for that period of time. And you're you're absolutely right that, you know, I also talk about like before 2019 is like the before times where things were less weird, but who knows? Anyway, lots to talk about because also you've landed in a librarianship role in Florida at Rollins. Yeah, Rollins College in Winter Park, which is a private college. Even though it's a, a liberal arts college, it's baffling to me. You know, it's not like it's, you know, bad, but it's it's so different fundamentally than than what I experienced at another liberal arts college in Florida. That Yeah. Which is why I definitely wanted to hit on that, because I think that's really interesting. Also, some of the machinations around the librarian and what's been happening in terms of the institutions at New College and how there's some hollowing out brain drain that's happening on that front. Definitely want to get some of your perspective on that. And then interestingly, you landed in higher ed and then Leo bringing you in here, you know, you're now working in an interesting space as well, where, you know, you're both examples of folks who are quickly leveraging their new college credentials to land in an interesting role 
that, that maybe we could hear a little bit more about from you. But can you catch us up, Leo, on, on your story and the two of you obviously, you know, can kind of ping pong off each other in that you both kind of got to know each other and just went through the experience at New College together. Yeah, so I I was also with Sarah from 2018 to 2022, and I still resonate with it not feeling normal in the slightest. Like every year, like even in my first, no, in my second year, there was also another like attack, another hostile takeover. Like a couple months actually before the before the pandemic hit, it was like, it was like some Republican in a different county decided that he wanted to like, merge new college into another college. So, like, be fine. Yes, Randy yeah. Fine. Oh my God. And they were like, we went like in two days, we decided, like, okay, this group of students is going to go up to Tallahassee to like fight for new college and maintain its independence. And I was part of that team. I, mm-hmm. I went to Tallahassee and it was really exciting and enlightening and frustrating to be in the Florida Senate on mm-hmm. like when they were talking about that. And so I feel like New College is such a fascinating place because it both attracts and trains its students to kind of fight with slash work with administration and higher ups to make sure you get what you came here for. Yeah. And I am, I just started this week, UW Madison Extension, which is, it's with UW Madison up in Wisconsin. I'm a community educator with Foodwise, so I'll be teaching people, especially in the Latino community here in Madison, Wisconsin, about health and well-being. And it's still my first week, so I still have a lot to go. It is also very different for, I think, a variety of reasons to be at a different public university, but one that seems to get quite a bit more funding yeah. uh, and doesn't is not being as actively strangled like i know that the politics here is still you know everything's a struggle especially with public universities you know you're at the mercy of the government but i i can see more of a life here it's crazy to me how the idea of working for something that you're passionate about i do feel so prepared for that and and working with people and knowing how to learn and how to educate especially in non-traditional formats. And it's something that I knew college is so mission-based. You can't be there if you don't actually care about what you're learning and how you're going to apply that. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited that I found a place that I can be happy doing what I actually want to do, do something that's actually important. And I was talking uh, a while back with some of the other professors about you know, how you how do you measure people who recently graduated? How do you measure how successful they are? Because if it's by pay alone, I'll be honest, probably not the highest up there. But in terms of job satisfaction, I am confident that I can actually have the life that I want because I've thought so intensely about it during my time at New College. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we can like talk more about that in a couple of different ways. It's definitely very weird to have left new college at such a time where like I feel like I I escaped the building and saw it like the explosion over my shoulder like I'm in a right. movie my gosh right you're not supposed to look back you're supposed to look cool when that happens that, that's kind of what you're doing but we're also I think we're all just kind of still in shock even though so much has happened since January I would be curious from each of yours perspective you know how did you hear about it and you know how did this kind of unfold you know, from the appointment of the new trustees to Pat Oker being ousted to where we are today, you know, maybe starting with you, Sarah, and then Leo. How did I first hear the news? I think a friend had sent me like an article or they had just texted me like something's going on. This is the day of. And I didn't quite understand what the implications would be. I don't think anybody really did because as with a lot of decisions made by the governor of Florida. You're like, I don't really know, you know, the extent to which this will actually be enacted. You're talking about the appointment of the trustees on January 6th? Yes, the earliest. I would consider that to be like the beginning. Obviously, this was going to mean something, but we weren't sure, you know, 
how bad it was going to be. Or maybe students on campus knew exactly how bad it was going to be right from the get go. But mm. within a, a, number, a number of days, it, it was pretty clear that this was, you know, it was going to fundamentally change the school. And I, I find myself still wrestling with this, this idea of you know mourning, I guess, and grief. You know, there are a number of you know, faculty members, alumni, students who have transferred, who are now attending college somewhere else, who have, you know, grieved and have moved on. But there are a number of individuals and groups who are working tirelessly to preserve what they can. And so it's it's hard to talk about talk about this whole situation like it's you know over and done and like it's hopeless. I don't I don't really like to talk about it like that, but. Yeah, yeah. I, I was definitely hearing a lot of the reports from, you know, boots on the ground. My yeah. good friend, Maddie Markham, who was one of the amazing, amazing person and organizer, but she was one of the students who was really involved in planning the alternative commencement yeah. in the spring. And so I would definitely hear a lot of updates from her, including when Helene Gold was fired. I heard from her, like, as it happened, like the librarian, it. right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, yes. Which was really hard news to hear because yeah. I had a close relationship with her. But and even you're mentioning the fact that you're at another liberal arts college in Florida. So there's the other angle here, where you know, if you're reading the Chronicle of Higher Ed, or you're just you know inside Higher Ed, or the, all those sort of what's happening in Higher Ed in the U.S. You know, New College was bubbling up in the press too so like by the time especially by the time dr Oker was fired mm -hmm. then everything was kind of out and happening can i ask a little subsidiary question have, have there been uh new college transfers to rollins because i remember that like that would have been one of the schools that i looked at as a florida kid not that i know of okay. and it's i don't I way don't more expensive i know <laughs> definitely it's yeah. pretty sportsy too though right isn't it Tennis and baseball, like I, I remember it having a pretty good uh, sports reputation. So maybe we'll wind up scrimmaging. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows what that'll look like? But oh my goodness. I'm but not that sure stuff's if wild. In the Sun Conference or not. That stuff's yeah. wild too. Just, you know, I'd love to get some of that perspective from each of you on that. And how about you, Leo, in terms of word on the street and like how the last, I guess, nine months? have been since this stuff really started to where we are today? Yeah, so I found out about it pretty soon after it happened. I lived very close to another one of my roommates, ex, and they, like, we had, like, this meeting where you're just like, what is going on? Like, it was, it felt like a bomb had gone off. Yeah. And we actually ended up going to some of the Board of Trustees meetings, and those were so, so tense. Mm -hmm. And you could yeah. just like the energy in the room of seeing Rufus army face yeah. and seeing all the people like fighting and like everyone on the new college side. It is a little bit difficult to parse through all the different like positions of people fighting back. You know, there's the parents who are so loud and so ready to fight for their kids because, I mean, they're the ones paying for that education. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And I think that if your parents are supportive enough to like even let you go to new college, that it's, it is, it's both a big ask, but then also, I mean, I went to new college also because it was more affordable. And so I felt yeah. like, you know, I didn't have to ask my parents to like go through their savings just mm -hmm. to let me go. I could go and learn what I want. And that financial, like it not being as big of a financial burden allowed part, me so much freedom. Yeah, and that's part of the history of the school. Everyone really throughout the years, regardless of how it was ultimately funded, the out-of-pocket expense for your education was pretty low and there was an opportunity for a real upside in terms of the value you can get out of that experience. And, you know, the mission stuff you were talking about, Leo, is really interesting. Both the, the fact that you're doing mission-based work, but it also sounds like there's a lot of pioneering initiative, like you're starting stuff and really kind of extending outreach in new ways. Like this role sounds pretty interesting. Can you talk about how that connects to your new college experience? Uh, this is where Grant likes us to ask what your thesis was on. 
My thesis with... doesn't have anything to do with what I'm doing right now. I, I my thesis that. is a poetry comic. I studied creative writing. I was the second cohort to have creative writing as a thesis. And I listened to one of your earlier ones where Jinx is talking about the comics and like how uh, they started in like, I, I was so enamored with this podcast when that happened because I was like, look, other people were doing it. I'm connected across the generations. Yeah. I'm just to talk a little bit more about I, I, I'm going to I'm going to answer your question. You, but you go wherever you want. Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah. 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 No, because I, I really wanted to get to like the morning because this entire past month, I mean, I'm so happy that I get to start my new job and start a new life. And that's all sorts of positive. But I'll be honest, I spent the month of August saying goodbye to all of Florida and New College was the biggest. It, it was both the biggest sign that I had to leave Florida not even leave. I had to flee. I yeah. don't call it leaving. Yeah. I'm trying to be careful about how I talk to people uh, here because, you know, I don't want to come and be the person who's like talking about their trauma or whatever. But I don't think people understand how much it's not even a decision to leave we're yeah. being driven out and what's going on at new college all the people who now that i'm starting my career i'm seeing all the people and all the years that they spent getting to where they are helene wanted new college to be her retirement job and i'm looking at that i'm seeing her livelihood i'm seeing all the livelihoods of all the other professors who I now am connected with on LinkedIn and my old professors have opened to work on their profile. Right. And I'm sitting here mourning because these are the people who showed me that I could do something meaningful, make mm -hmm. a living doing something that would actually help people, their livelihoods being ripped from them. And so that's just such a sign that that's not possible anymore in Florida. Yeah. I will not have that option to do something meaningful because the governor can just take your job and give it to someone who wants to destroy everything you've built just like that. And that's mm -hmm. not even the first time it happens. I'm from Broward County. And there is also a situation where they had some school board meetings and school board members replaced. And I remember that school board member yeah. who was fighting for the LGBTQ kids. Was, I remember. Was it, was I was, it Elephant? Was, was it Donna Elephant? Was that her name? Oh my God. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, we called her. Oh my, she was yeah. incredible. I was on, we were on a first main basis. They said, you know, and GSA, I was a vice president of GSA back in my high school, Gay Straight Alliance. I like to yep. say that I was vice president of the gays. And <laughs> we all knew this is the one person who will fight for you. This mm. is the person who will make you safe and will shout at whoever's making you unsafe. Yeah. And I'm looking, my sibling's a teacher now, and they were a teacher for a short time in Florida. They're also leaving for the same reason. Everyone in my family is fleeing Florida because mm -hmm. it's just so it, it's not it's both physically unsafe for trans people like me. Yeah. And it's financially unsafe because you don't know when your career, which is something you both depend on for your life. Right. And something that. You know, you want it to mean something. You want to be able to change people's lives. And that's, mm. this is a performance of cruelty, letting people like me know I don't have an option here. Yeah. That's some deep stuff, Leo. Thank you for sharing that perspective. There's a level of depth and reality to it. You know, the rest of us, I think it's a little more of an abstraction. So appreciate that from your perspective. And then, Sarah, I know you're still in Florida as is Grant, you know, there are elements of this where it's hard to leave. It's hard to stay. You know, even you're talking about grief. There's also the, the idea of survivor guilt, where in some ways your cohort was point taken, Sarah, too, just about COVID. And I, th I think there was some tropical storm and hurricane action, you know, thrown in in the mix. So like you by no means was it a cakewalk. But yeah, it's just really got to be deep for you to be connected to this ongoing story, both in terms of the people you know, but also you're in Florida, you're in a, a higher ed setting and this stuff, you know, granted it's private, but there's just a lot of this that it's hard to ignore. I'd love to get a little bit of your perspective on this. Yeah. Oh, where to start? It's, it's definitely a scary time to work for a Florida college right now, but I almost feel 
you know, crazy for feeling that way because I, I honestly don't know if a lot of my colleagues feel that way, having the privilege mm. of living under this private school bubble where the state can't really hurt us as much. I don't want to be a pessimist, but I think it's only a matter of time until a lot of these policies are going to affect us. And I don't want to see any of my colleagues suffer for it. But yeah, I don't know. Working as a, a, a circulation specialist, I should clarify that I'm, I'm, I'm not a librarian, although I am definitely interested in it. And, and that was, you know, a major turning point during my experience at New College of discovering that, you know, I, I am actually interested in librarianship. It, it's also strange because I occupy this staff role and not a faculty role. Right. <laughs> and there's a Unless you've been in higher ed, there's a pretty stark division between the two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I almost I almost feel crazy, you know, reading all these things that are coming in, talking about, you know, what's going on in West Virginia, what's going on with, you know, public libraries across the country. Books banning, you know, that's the other element. School librarians now are becoming sort of the front lines of free speech in America, which is kind of amazing to me, but yeah. And then higher ed, you know, it, it's got to be interesting also for both of you to be working in higher ed, having just graduated from new college. I think you were both talking about it where, you know, new college is certainly post-secondary education, but it's still even as recent as graduating in 2022 was vastly different than a lot of what other folks are experiencing in higher ed nowadays. I'd love to get some of your thoughts about some of the contrasts and some of what you've seen, I realize it might be early for you, Leo, but just more as you've been confronted with explaining how new college is different and knowing other folks who are going to college and graduating, moving on into their lives across the U.S. What's that been like and, and any thoughts on what's important about some of the differences you experienced at new college? I can definitely speak to that. I was really surprised post-grad having all these conversations with friends of mine that, you know, might have attended other colleges, universities, probably dropped out because they didn't get out of it what they really needed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, talking to my my colleagues and hearing things from students on the campus that I work at, it's mind-blowing how, how different the experience was. Um, I've heard other people on this podcast describe it as, you know, grad school light. It's very much a, a grad school experience culturally, at least in terms of academics. And explaining to friends of mine, you know, offhandedly, oh, you know, something, something, the independent study project that I did that, you know, where I, I got to talk to the author of this book that I read and talk to him about my research that, in, you know, his work inspired and having him ask me questions and things like that or you know talking about the tutorials that I got to design taking courses that I literally wouldn't have gotten to take mm -hmm. in any undergraduate program in the country because of the flexibility in the academic program is just it's mind-blowing to ears of mine that's something that's been hard to see like the look on their faces when I'll mention something that happened in new college or something that was just so normalized. And they're like, I did not realize that education could be like that, you know, and mm -hmm. it's, it's really hard because, you know, I look around and I'm like, well, it could be like that. What if we just did this and this and it could be so much more open and freeing. And I, I keep seeing ways that it could work and it just it doesn't. I, I wish that I had the power to like, Change it. And Sarah, I don't believe we got your thesis and how your thesis may connect <laughs> to what you're doing today. Maybe this is a good time for that. Yeah, there, there, there's actually a pretty good tie-in. So my thesis focused on Jewish women's relationship with Lilith mythology. It's a demon within right. Jewish mythology spanning from the Middle Ages and onward. And I, uh, I did that by analyzing protective childbirth amulets and also second wave feminist lit. And kind of looking at how this transformed. Okay, I'm, I'm going to look it up. Yeah. This is where the video podcast does have some advantages in showing our respective reactions to your thesis as you describe it. <laughs> it's very flattering. One of the, the best compliments you can get. But in the very early stages of 
you know, thinking about what am I going to research? How am I going to research it? I, I had a research consultation with Colleen Gold, who was a co-dean of the library at the time. And in that research consultation, in my third year, you know, I was, I think the kinds of questions I was asking about, you know, what kinds of sources I wanted to look at and how I could find those sources prompted her to immediately ask me if I had ever considered librarianship. And then from there, we ended up planning to do an intro to academic librarianship tutorial the following semester, where I would learn about, you know, the history of librarianship and some of the day-to-day minutiae, you know, what, what are academic librarians doing that I would have had to wait until grad school to learn about if I had gone literally anywhere else. And she definitely encouraged me, you know, get, get some, you know, experience working in a library, talk to people in different roles, see what you might want to specialize in before pursuing that degree. And so that's that's kind of where I'm at now is still in that learning stage. And that's still very consistent with all of the stories we've had about those deep connections that we've all made with faculty and mentors within New College who really made it such a special place because the numbers are such that you really do develop deeper, more personal, more intimate relationships with faculty than is typical. Leah, I'd love to hear maybe from you about that aspect. You know, it sounds like you had a a pretty profound experience, you know, in your years at New College. I'd be curious, you know, who you worked with and are there examples or stories you'd like to tell just about the connections and the relationships that really drove your experience at New College? Yeah. Oh, well, I love the coursework because it seemed so much more grounded in in reality. Like there wasn't as much like, you know, academic navel gazing. That's like, mm-hmm. OK, well, that's cool. But how do you connect it to like real life? Yeah, um, we, we might have saved more of that for the 90s. I, I think there might have been a little bit of academic navel gazing. Oh, there's always a little there's always a little bit of like, OK, but what if like thoughts experiments that, you know, aren't necessarily ground in reality but they are helpful i think my favorite class was bodies and minds what are the humanities that one that one legitimately changed my entire worldview which (laughs) i think is kind of the point because a lot of the coursework at new college does change how you interact with the world on a fundamental level Mm -hmm. even though very like intro classes like sociological research methods like we were going through the budget and you know looking at how it's it's actually working out in real life to real people and interviewing people who are affected by that or by people on that commission that that designed the budget. But in Bodies and Minds, that was my absolute favorite because it was taught by three professors, by Miriam L. Wallace, the director of the humanities department at New College, by Zamsky, he was poetry, and Flackney, Professor Flackney, she did philosophy. And like, it was a whole point. It was dissecting that dichotomy of bodies and minds through three different disciplines. So not only did we get a little bit of experience of like, how do you answer questions within different systems, within things like literature? How do you explore things in literature? How do you explore things in philosophy? How do you explore things in poetry? Hmm. And the professors were taking the class with us. So when Professor Wallace was talking, Zamsky would like ask a question and you could see how they all asked different kinds of questions and how they all acted. So as I was a student, I was looking and seeing how you can be a student, like how you interact with new information, how you kind of like turn things over and look at them in new lights. And I'm still getting used to to UW, so I can't speak to the differences in other higher ed. But it was so, so different from what I experienced in high school, because in high school, I just remember getting so sick of the competitiveness, Mm -hmm. like learning for the test, doing the test for the GPA, doing the GPA so that you could give you in the right percentile, being in the right percentile so you can get all this. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't do anything for you. That's not connected with the world. And I heard about new college. When everyone was talking about that, and then it was like a conversation, they were all talking about like how what percentile you need to be in in order to get into UF and like what sororities they were going to do. And I was like sitting there on the edge of the conversation, like I have no interest in any of this. Yeah. And like one of the girls turns to me and she's like, you know, I feel like it'd be good at like new college. And I'm like, what's that? Oh, it's this place. It's like a kind of like a weird college. 
no offense. I mean that as a compliment. Oh, I'm like, yeah. And that was like such a such a great introduction to new college. Yeah. But yeah. like genuinely such a different experience from the public education system that I just I felt so isolated for actually caring about the material. And then I also like new college's ability to let you fail. Like, yeah, you can do things that you might not succeed in. Like if you take a class and you find it challenging, you know, you're encouraged to take that class anyways. Right. And then you can drop it like two weeks before the final. And I have definitely done that. I even forgot to do that sometimes. I've got an incomplete, but I'm here. And you know what? I still talk about that class that I incompleted. That right. class, I think that was the the zombies class that DeSantis hates so much. Oh, really? That was, yeah, religion and pop culture. It was its alternate name was Handmade Zombies and Superheroes, mm. which I, would I remember talking. That. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I remember talking to like one of the professors, you know, after a mini class, and they were like talking to each other about how they specifically make interesting course names just to. Get the professional compliment of seeing so many kids in your classroom, in your mini class, that there's not enough seats for them. Yeah. Like. That's an interesting angle. I don't think we've gone deep into like mini classes and the the kind of the marketing angle, which does go way back. I mean, I think we might have been I might have been less savvy to it, but I do remember gravitating. There were certain classes that like everybody wound up taking and the idea that you can try before you buy sample from the buffet during right. uh, the mini class. That's been a tradition for quite some time. I, I'm trying to be conscious of time, but y'all are spinning some yarns here. So I'd love to go as far and as long as the two of you would like. Also, I've been asking a lot of questions. I don't know if Megan or Grant, if either of you want to. I was going to ask if either one of you or both of you have any ideas of how you might stay engaged with the school or with the alumni now that you're part of us one of us what ideas you have about how you might stay engaged in the future or are you just projecting outward at this point you know because you're both in really great landing places coming out of new college certainly better than i was right out of new college so i'm impressed by what you are able to do but do you feel a pull to stay engaged in some way that maybe you didn't expect yes yes 100 percent I think that part of the morning of New College is, you know, will New College stay alive? And that's a very difficult question to ask because how do you even define an institution? Like, if I was talking about it with one of my professors, you know, there's the there's the physical place, there's the landmarks, you know, there's College Hall, there's a Cables Mansion, which even though it was completely closed due to mold, I still remember so many parties there and. Even some classes were hold, were held in the carriage house behind there or some people like held their thesis back there, especially during mm-hmm. the pandemic when you had to have everything outside if it was going to be held oh, right. in person at all. And then there's the people. And I think the people are the biggest part of it. I am definitely staying involved like with my friendships, with people who are still at New College, people who I check in on on. Now and again, I still scroll through the forum, which is so emotional. I've never thought that going through an email could like make me feel so many emotions. But sometimes I scroll through the forum and like someone just bumped a very quintessential new college lore thread about sulfuric acid being left out behind a dorm. But, you know, beyond that, I think that the way that new college is going to survive I don't know if the college itself is going to stay with the same structure, with the same energy, with the same people. I mean, almost, what, 40% of professors have left. That's a lot of people. All All the students who are going away. But I've always felt, even before all of this happened, that everyone who went to new college for any amount of time at all is part of new college has made new college be new college. You know, you're an alum if you stayed a semester because every person counts. On a campus that small, every person has an essential role somewhere with someone. And 
when people look back on their memories, if you're even in one of those memories, you're living new college. You're, you're part of the living, breathing body that is new college and all the people that it has touched and that have touched new college in turn. Yeah. You know, there's that Octavia Butler quote that everything you touch, you change. Everything mm-hmm. you change, changes you. And that relationship of change is what we get to bring forward into the world as the new college that we know and love, the new college that we built with our own blood, sweat, and tears, sometimes literally. Yeah. Often literally. I did crack open the beer that I was describing. So (laughs) cheers cheers to you and and cheers to our listeners. It is 5 p.m. somewhere. I wanted to say something else that Leo said that I thought no one else has quite hit upon, which is that the, obviously so much of, of what drew many of us to new colleges, the economic side of things being yeah. affordable. Yeah. But I've never really heard anyone say the independence that that affords uh, students to not be so dependent on their parents, not to be so dependent on loans and all of that, but it gives mm. you the ability to study, I think, in a different way than you would if you had, you know, I don't know what it's like to have thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 of debt or to your parents or, you know, the government, you know, you study different things. And I think that gives you academic freedom. It's another aspect of new college that doesn't really get talked about too much. Yeah, I've seen it. There are more questions now too, just, you know, in light of the policies of the last year where, you know, how much is being spent per enrollment and how is that correlating to the return on that investment, you know, where a lot's being spent on these $10,000 scholarships and developing sports programs, but is that actually increasing the return on, you know, this kind of cold cost benefit analysis? But like, if you're rationally speaking, it does feel like money is just being thrown away and not in service of, you know, what's best really for the students. Because ultimately you do want that return on your time. Grant, I think you did have a question in your back pocket. I don't know if we wanted to deploy that. My back pocket question is horribly unsentimental, but I think it's mainly towards Sarah, who mentioned you worked in admissions at one point. You're around in 2019. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Yeah. You, you remember something happening in admissions around then? I do. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to forget the red flag scandal. This was one of many campus crises. Leo and I will joke sometimes that, like, you don't go through a semester at New College without experiencing either an existential threat to the school or just like an on-campus, yeah. you know, scandal, something that yeah. just like completely, you know, it affects everyone on campus. In the spring of 2019, one of the admissions staff, Joy Ham, was exposed as red flagging applications Thank where goodness. students had disclosed that they had experienced any kind of uh, mental health struggles. Wow. And so there were a lot of students on campus who rightfully were really upset about this, saying, you know, I, I wouldn't have been admitted or if I, you know, was admitted while this was going on, you know, this is still going to fundamentally change my relationship to the school. And it was one of the first major on campus protests that happened while I was there, uh, the first of many. But it was, I think, my takeaway from that experience is that this is a really good example of how students engage with the community in such Mm -hmm. an active way because there were consequences for this. And it was, I think they were, they graduated by the time this had all come out, but these were, you know, student employees who had seen things and then alumni who were working full-time in the admissions office who were, you know, really the catalyst for something being done about this. So there were actually consequences for this. And with the whole school rallying behind this need for, you know, justice and wanting to, well, first of all, you know, not break federal law. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of important when you're running a public institution. But also, you know, working in admissions, I felt my job wasn't necessarily limited to marketing and sales. It was you know, bringing in people who needed mm-hmm. to know that the school existed, that needed right. to know that they had a place where they could thrive and, you know, 
a lot of students, prospective students dealing with mental health struggles, I'm sure were not helped by the hateful public education system. Mm-hmm. And at the very least, if they're in a, in a place where they're able to pursue higher education, uh, a place like New College can fundamentally, you know, change lives. Not to, not to be a little, a little cheesy, but it's, it's true. I've seen it. But it it was definitely really inspiring to see, you know, actual consequences come of this because of students who felt the need to bring this to light. I remember that event. I was also one of the core organizers of that event. But yeah, that that was also just a great experience to see new college student activism actually resulting in something happening. Because I feel like new college students always have to demand a seat at the table. And then while they're at the seat at the table, they have to fight again for what they say to actually have an impact. (laughs) But you do it. Everyone involved does it. And because like those alums and those like fourth years who were like graduating at the time, because they went ahead and, you know, blew that whistle and did all of that, it empowered us. I think there were there was a good mix of like first years and fourth years. Then mm-hmm. a couple like second years here and there in the planning process, all working, all arguing during the planning process about yeah. how to do it. But then by the end of it, the actual protest, we like marched from ACE over to College Hall, chanting the entire time, making sure that there was like accessibility. There's water bottles, you know, people with mobility issues were being driven over there. We got new wheelchairs. But I think the most important part of that day, emotionally for me, was that everyone spoke and it was an open mic like you could go up and speak for a minute or two and so many people did and we got to hear each other as a community and I I have never seen such like activism actually care about the community about hearing the experiences of those involved and working so palpably towards a better situation that everyone's envisioning a little bit differently and everyone's arguing over how exactly to do it, but everyone's working on it. That level of engagement is not normal. It is not often seen that people are involved on such a real level. If that happened at another school, I'm sure that it would be a scandal, but be like, you know, brushed under the bus in a newsletter, you know? I don't think that would happen in the same way like people were throwing protests for like how funds were being allocated in the libraries in my first year right Mm -hmm. library furniture and oh yeah i remember that it is interesting how the community was regulating itself which really was the narrative up until this year Mm -hmm. and that is part of the challenge where in some ways that story which is i hadn't really heard the red flag story in that depth so thank you for providing that perspective but that's almost makes the cold water (laughs) Um, yeah, this is most recent thing where like the student agency and the community regulating itself, it's it's taken out of our hands. We are getting close to time here. I'd love to maybe move towards some closing thoughts, some takeaways, some perspectives that you might be able to share for folks who are listening, either folks who maybe don't really know the story of New College and, you know, how you might help them understand it better, but perhaps even more so for the students and faculty, staff, people who are like living through this experience, you know, recent grads, all of us. Any closing thoughts? For me, the, the thing that, you know, keeps coming up and processing all this is, is community. I, you know, I heard about New College by word of mouth, which is way more common than <laughs> other yeah. school. And there were a couple of alums now who were a little bit older than me growing up and went to my synagogue and I looked up to them and I knew that they were passionate and creative people. And having shared that experience, you know, belonging to a not wealthy community where like, you know, we were completely, you know, self-sustaining. We didn't have a building. We were like renting out space. Our temple was renting out space in an elementary school cafeteria on Friday night. Like that was just what we had, you know, family transporting the, you know, things that we needed to have services and things like that. It taught me from a very young age that, you know, you can't really take community for granted. You can't take traditions for granted. It's really an active process that if you want to participate in 
traditions that you care about, you really need to take that initiative. And immediately stepping foot onto the new college campus, I kind of felt that sense of community. Just see the way students were interacting with each other and, you know, kind of sneaking in, seeing my my older friends who were students at the time and, you know, kind of getting to eavesdrop a little bit on student conversations, really passionately talking about their classes and, and projects. And I, I realized like, oh, this is a very intentional place. Like the posters that I'm seeing hanging up and the things that people are talking about in ham in the cafeteria, like this is not a place where people are just taking things for granted. Like, yeah, that tradition is just going to exist. I saw during my time there that when people didn't, you know, there, there was no one to carry these things on, they went away. And I hope that that doesn't continue to happen. I know that there are some incredibly dedicated students who are at New College right now who are doing everything they can to bring back older traditions or start new ones. And that is, I think, kind of the essence of the thing. You know, if that drive is still alive, then I think that the community is, even if it looks or feels a little bit different. And that does help me feel more optimistic about the whole situation. Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely on it. Community is how we keep things alive. And especially when you hear all these things about how new college is dying or how people think, a lot of people think, you know, new college is not going to survive this, at least not in the same way. And that's really scary. That's incredibly scary because this was not just a learning institution. It was my home. It was where I renegotiated my worldview how I am as a person and that's when I hear about it being destroyed or worrying about whether it's like some kind of land grab and even the trees that are on campus I'm so worried about them but the thing I have to hold on to when there's a sort of death It's not bad because there's bad guys. It's not bad because there's like an end of something. It's because something positive was there. Something wonderful and full of love. When you're dealing with grief, it's it's horrible because grief means how how much love there was. The grief is immeasurable, but so was the love. Mm. So is the love. And something that made me feel so hopeful while I was learning at New College was seeing pictures that were left in the GDC, was seeing someone's project, someone's ISP turned into like a, a place on campus. Art, murals designed by people, by, by past students, all the things that I saw people building now that I knew would be there for generations that I thought would be there for generations. And I have that in my memory. And I remembered walking through New College thinking, how many people have been here before? How many people have seen that specific tree and said hi to it and, and thought the same things and, and built a friendship with that tree? Like, especially the banyan in the middle of the nook. I have so, so much love for that tree. I, and predate, it's so- I predate that banyan. You predate that banyan. That's crazy. So there are people from our time that remember that banyan being there, even though it wasn't. Yeah, that's, that's true. So funny. The Mandela effect. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. The fact that it was there, that it grew alongside the students, that has been the easiest tree I've ever climbed in my life. Like there yeah. are steps there from how mm. many like, you, ste- you step inside the tree and you're like, how many people have used this exact step before? Okay. Maybe this tree grew around the feet of the students, kind of like always yeah. climbing this tree. Liz, you see, do you want to talk about? Please, please, can you share some of the things that were in the banyan by the time we left? The things that people oh, had added? Someone added a painting, like a full-on painting from Goodwill. Oh, that's awesome. There was a journal. That was my favorite part. Is that? And there were multiple journals, actually. There were multiple communal journals that someone bought, like, this weatherproof journal with a weatherproof pen. And it put it in a bag. And it's, like, just stuffed in one of the corners of, uh, like, some some branches. And there's hammocks. There's multiple hammocks. The hammocks were taken down and then put back up by students who did not agree with the administrative decision to take down the hammocks. 
I think at some point when there was like a forum thread about, you know, deciding whether or not it was ethical to have certain intimate relations in the banyan, I think Ooh. someone, I heard that they left condoms and lube there. So well, there, the, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. The new safe sex room. Yes. Practice safety. Yes. Safety first. Wow. That's oh, where yeah. we wound, that's where we wound up. So, you know, who <laughs> knew? Who knew we were on on a journey into the banyan tree and we were going to consummate the conversation in the way that we did. But good job, all of us. Congratulations. Hopefully our listeners are enjoying all of this. This has been amazing getting Leo Munoz and Sarah Cooper on the show. We're at final thoughts, open floor. Any final comments, final thoughts before we wrap up here? Just that, you know, talking to you too, it's so clear that New College hasn't it's changed, but it hasn't changed. And and the older, you know, alumni always seem to think, oh, it's not what it once was or something fundamental has changed, but it's not, it's not true that you can just feel the continuity through you guys. And it's great. I love it. I love yeah. hearing this. And it's been great talking to y'all because I, you know, I, I feel like I'm in this weird liminal space where I know I'm not a student anymore and I have some connections to current students, but I also don't have a lot of connections to the alumni network or yeah. you know the resources to help current students that a lot of other alumni have so it's this has been great thanks for bringing us on yeah it's been yeah. great having you yes. thank you so much it's been really wonderful i've i always want to talk about new college i have so many memories and i feel like talking about new college is a way of keeping her alive and this has been so wonderful to get to breathe some life back into some some old memories. Good. That's amazing. Also, yeah. Listening to past episodes is really funny because I'm like, oh my God, that's when that happened. So I don't yeah. know. It's it's everything's part of the new college experience. Even the old stories that you passed by and never knew the whole the whole story that now we're getting to hear up here on this podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been amazing having everyone here. Hopefully we'll continue the conversation. Open invites to bring you all back, bring your people back on, recommend folks for subsequent episodes. Same thing for our listeners. Megan and Grant, thanks as always for rejoining. And please subscribe. Tom Port Podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts, TomPortPod.com. We out. <laughs>